0: I'm going to finish off that Psalm 91 today from verse 11. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against the stone. That should be familiar to people Because essentially, Satan reformulated this in Matthew 6 when he tried to tempt Jesus. This is why it's very important to understand the word of God, right? So that you cannot be tricked, so you cannot be led astray because Satan tried to lead Jesus astray by reconfiguring this word against him he will not give his angels charge uh, uh, for he will give his angels charge concerning you meaning that angels will be commissioned to protect you to guard you in all your ways they will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against the stone and the actual temptation of course was tempting God, right? This is supposed to happen as a protective measure against something that occurs that you have no control of. The way that Satan tried to do it was, come on, Jesus, show us what you got. Come on, do this trick. Come on, let's see what you've got. That's not the way it's supposed to be done, right? That is not the way that it's supposed to be done. You know, I I do not go and try to cut my wrists again and say, I'm going to show you guys a trick. Watch what God can do. You know, it doesn't work like that, right? So it's essentially... The angels are given charge over you, right, as a consequence of injuries coming from unintentional actions. Does that make sense? Unintentional actions. We, that that is a safety measure. That is our insurance. I mean, any insurance company knew that someone was getting into accidents because they said, oh, the insurance will pay. Come on, let's find an accident. Nobody would insure you, right? Nobody would insure you. It's supposed to be uh, meant for unintentional actions. And God's provision of protection is supposed to be for um, unintentional actions meaning that God is a practical God, right? God is a practical God. It's as we go in about our business. This is why there are some, there are some of these churches that um, don't understand this. And I've heard, this is what I've heard, in some places um, you have these churches where they handle snakes, And all of that, they've totally, totally missed the interpretation of that. What what, what on earth, how does handling snakes, look at me, look at me, give glory to God? That is, it's, it's nonsense. God is practical. Look at me handling this snake. I mean, I'll be very, very surprised if anybody sees that and say, oh, I want to give my life to that God. That, yeah, that sir, it, Almost like it doesn't make any sense what you are doing. God is a practical God. And I say this because, here's the next part, you will tread upon the lion and cobra. Doesn't say you'll handle it, right? Uh, do any kind of tricks. The young lion and the serpent, you will trample down. We have to remember, back in this day, You've got lions, you've got cobras, you've got serpents. You, in other words, you've got these, um, you've got these deadly animals and beasts and serpents, and they can kill people. What God is promising is God is pr- promising protection from them. What are we talking about? What are people living in? People are living in. Agrarian society—it's agriculture. People are outside most of the time, right? Remember the shepherds that the angel came to to announce Jesus? They didn't come to the shepherds in their penthouse apartment. No, they were outside, right? Or the basement apartment? No. And so, when you're outside, of course, tending all of these sheep. I mean some of these animals, right, lions are going to be trying to get to the sheep. It's saying that it promises protection over these. We are we are promised protection in, from the perils in our daily lives, right? We are promised protection in these perils. And that's what we have to understand, right, is that, Regardless of whether we see it or we don't see it, we are promised protection. You know when people have anxiety or panic attack, you know what they're afraid of? Everything. What might happen next? What may happen next? God promises protection against all of it. God, understand one thing. These fears... These these things that God is listing here, they are not exhaustive. They are representative, right? So in other words, you're protected from everything. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just a representative list, right? Which fits the context. Clearly, you know, you're not going to get here. You'll be protected from a speeding yellow cab in Manhattan right? But the point I'm trying to make is that whatever your context is, right, you're protected from it. You are actually protected from it, meaning you don't have to fear anything anymore in your head. No mythical fear. The only fear that you should have is a realistic fear that's going on at the time. And you know the only reason why you should have that fear is it's a functional thing, right? That fear is functional in the sense that if I see a car that's coming out of, careening out of control towards me, the functional fear is this. I have a sympathetic, nervous system, right, that secretes adrenaline into my body, that shuts down, or it doesn't shut down my uh, parasympathetic nervous system, but it almost makes it dormant. I don't need blood in my digestive system. I don't need to go and urinate, all of those activities are not necessary. Boom, I need all hands on deck, right? To be able to get out uh, of the way of that trouble. That's the only fear that someone should have is a functional fear. No one should have a mythical fear. There is just a fear in your head. This could happen, that could happen. That is mythical. It's not real. Of course, there's a trillion and one things then that could happen. So really, how we were supposed to function is we were supposed to function where there's fear and there's evidence of that fear right in front of us. Oh, what about if this happens tomorrow? What if that happens uh, tomorrow tomorrow? We should get to a point where there is no worry. In fact, Jesus even said, don't worry about uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We're not meant to worry. So we are only meant to worry. And I'm just going to say, not worry, because that's a term of almost like this this, uh, long course of action. No. We're talking about a fear now and that fear is really it's something that occurs in real time right something that occurs in real time so that in that real time your your bodily function changes gets enhanced so that you can get out the way of that fear that is it but we're not meant to worry so that's what a real fear should do oh you see a uh, running, running, running towards a dog, right? Running, 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 running towards you, right? And you run towards the door and you get in and you say, whoa, that's the fastest I've ever run in a long time. Because We're not in school anymore. We're not playing sports. We don't need to run like that, but we need to run like that to get out of the way of danger. So that's really what fear should do. There shouldn't be anything that's mythical. Anything that's mythical is something that's in your head. And this is what Paul was talking about, that God has not given us a spirit, a mythical fear to worry about this thing. Well, what about if this happens? Well, what about if that happens? Well, what about if that happens? What about if that happens? What about if that happens? that will never ever stop. And so you'll be living, if you're doing that, you'll be living at a heightened state of vigilance. It will rob you of your fear. Of course, you're gonna have depression. Of course, you're gonna have anxiety. You're gonna have depression. How can someone not have depression if they are fearful that the worst is coming tomorrow? It's impossible, right? You're not going to be happy. That would be almost be as silly as saying somebody's wet and dry at the same time. How can you be happy if you are worried? You can't. It's only one or the other. One will, will, one will negate the other. Right? If I fear, if I am catastrophizing, right? Oh, catastrophe is coming tomorrow. If I am doing that, there's no way. How, how am I going to be happy about tomorrow? It's not possible. Really? Because the end is coming. Yo, remember, I remember so many people, I kind of, I tapped me on the shoulder. Remember the Y2K bug? Oh, my word. Doom and gloom. Oh, my word. Oh, it's coming. It's going to be over tomorrow. It's going to be over tomorrow. Well, did any of those people, those people had terror on their faces. Terror on their faces. Here's also the reason why they have terror on their faces. Here are people who are trying to handle the future by themselves. This is why. This psalm says we need God. We need God to handle it. You will tread upon the lion and cobra. The young lion and the serpent you will trample down. We do a teaching in Mark. We'll get to this because it talks about uh, stepping on serpents and scorpions and all the network of the enemy there's a reformulation of that in the gospel of mark but listen to what he says in verse 14 because he has loved me therefore i will deliver him i will set him securely on high because he has known my name this is what god is talking t- saying about us He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. And so the purpose of this psalm is for someone to be able to say, you know, if I've got God for me, who can be against me? And I need not, worry about anything i can have a fear that healthy fear and that healthy fear is something that occurs in the moment that my bodily actions can do something about a healthy fear right is seeing and we've all done it seeing somebody uh break the brake lights go on right And us also starting to break, starting to slow down, right? Starting to slow down our speed so we can avoid an accident, right? Those are the kind of fears. But understand how they work. They work in real time. What we are not supposed to do is put, those fears now into overtime, right? You put them into overtime, you're talking about worry. You are talking about worry because now you're talking about that could happen. That should happen. And really, you're not doing anything. All you're just doing is living in a a heightened state of vigilance. That is all. So clearly, somebody who's doing that, why would anybody be surprised to have high blood pressure and all of the stuff that go with that, right? Because the fear that I'm talking about, right, it's only supposed to be going on while the situation is going on. And then boom, I'm not supposed to be, right? Like when I'm off the road, for example, I'm in... My office, I'm not supposed to be in my office Are a heightened state of vigilance, waiting to slam on my brakes. That would be ridiculous. But many, many people are worrying that way, right? I am supposed to be giving whatever could happen, whatever may happen. God's got that. And it's God that gives us That peace that transcends all understanding. Yeah, of course, we have bad things happening. And the news, right? We have bad things happening. They say that there's many people now that avoid crowded places because of COVID, lone shooters. I mean, the list goes on on and on and on and on and on and all of that. But what we have to do is we have to give those fears to god nothing should change if something changes it's robbing you of the abundant life it's robbing you of your peace it's robbing you of your joy it's robbing you of that quality life right life is not about quantity it's about quality scripture says Uh, Christ said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. It's this supernatural life. And so what this psalm is telling us is that in Christ, we should be living, not naturally, but supernaturally. Why would we worry about something that has not happened? Why would we worry about what could happen? Because if we are going to get into, the, there's millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of possibilities. Millions of possibilities. In fact, worry can just consume your life. And somebody that worries, what they're doing really is they've taken the task of taking on doing all of the, the protecting of themselves for themselves. And people that do that, you typically find, yeah, of course they have insomnia. I remember when I used to, I remember it was horrible at one time going to bed. Because I'd go to bed, I'd fall asleep, but almost as quick as I fell asleep, I'd fall back awake. I would just wake up, really. And then it's back and forth, back and forth, because I know that the thoughts that were just going through my mind that kept me awake you have to cast your cares up to the lord it gives you a peace it gives you a joy it gives you a just a a, such an incredible sense of well-being i now i fall asleep like you wouldn't even believe i remember a time when i used to take melatonin, and it still didn't do any good. Now I take nothing, and it does the greatest good. Because it's a different attitude now. I, I'm not trying to bear the burden of carrying myself. And that's what Psalm 91 is essentially about. And that's why Satan quoted it to him. He he quoted that particular um, um, verse, but he was... It's really the theme. The theme of that was that God will take, the theme of this psalm is that God is the one who's protecting you. And what Satan wanted Christ to do was to tempt God by saying, oh, you'll be protected. Oh, look, if you're the son of God, his angels will take charge over you and will protect you. Jesus, of course. He retorted, "That you do not tempt the Lord your God, and we don't. All of these things in this psalm I said as a consequence of us finding ourselves in a situation, right, where we need to tap in to those resources for protection and even." That fear in the moment, that fear in the moment, and I'm, that I'm gonna call that healthy fear because it's a healthy fear because it causes these, this uh, physiological process to kick in, you know, the sympathetic nervous system, right? Being stimulated and the parasympathetic nervous system being, um, being, put on hold, be made dormant, because essentially the sympathetic taps into the parasympathetic in that time. So that's a good fear because that enables a physical response to occur to a threat more efficiently that it wouldn't occur. But you think about it. The mythical fear, the worry, sat down worrying, that is not good. There's, There's no benefit to that there's peril to that. As I said, the high blood pressure, there are numerous different uh, 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 health issues, including cancer, you know, including, including uh, cancer. And I had stage four cancer, and I don't doubt that what precipitated that was uh, partly due to stress and worry, right? And so, um, and many, 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 Uh, digestive issues are, uh, are due to this worry. And so when we understand that we don't have to worry about anything, when we don't have to do those hypothetical in our heads, well, what about if this? Well, what about if that? Right? Because God's got it. When we can say it doesn't matter, that changes your life right there. That changes your life. It changes how you think. It changes how you breathe. It changes how you sleep. It changes how you talk. It changes how you walk. It changes how you see things, right? It changes your perspective about tomorrow. That is a horrible perspective. And I remember I, I lived it, doom and gloom, that something bad is going to happen. That's a horrible perspective. And this psalm, the reality in that psalm, it takes it away.